This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name is Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them, this podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 29, Real Estate Number 3, How It Happens. In episode one of this real estate series, we discussed the type of situation where a charitable gift of real estate can make a lot of sense. Quick summary, it has to make sense for the donor, it has to make sense for the charity, and if the donor can get some tax savings, so much the better. In the second episode, we discussed two issues that can derail an otherwise great real estate gift, potential environmental liability and problems with the title. In today's episode, the third and final one of this little series, we're going to get to the mechanics of how a gift of real estate is actually made. We can assume that we've checked all the boxes from the previous episodes. Now the gift is a go. What do we do now? The first step is something that won't come as any sort of surprise for all you experienced savvy philanthropists out there. This is a non-cash asset after all. The donor needs to get a qualified appraisal. That's right, for almost any non-cash gift, and this is always true for real estate, the donor has to get a qualified appraisal of the property. As we've discussed before, a qualified appraisal has to be conducted by a competent professional, per the appropriate IRS guidelines. This can't just be an estimate from a real estate broker or something like that. The value computed in the appraisal is the charitable deduction to which the donor will be entitled. If you'd like a refresher on what happens when the donor forgets to get the appraisal, go back and listen to episodes 9 and 10 again. It's not good. But now the donor has gotten the required appraisal and is ready to transfer the property. That's the next step. As you can probably guess, transferring ownership of real estate takes a bit of legal work. A deed has to be drafted, conveying the property from the donor to the charity, and then the deed, once signed by the donor, has to be recorded in the county where the property is located. This is standard American property law. And since these are legal documents, in almost every case, it makes sense to engage an attorney to draft and record the deed. No need to take any chances with getting the slightly technical requirements of a deed wrong. Typically, the donor's lawyer drafts the deed and takes care of recording it. It's a simple way for the charity to avoid a bit of potential legal liability if something ends up being technically wrong with the paperwork. But there's no rule about it. If the charity pays for the new deed instead, it's not a particular problem. It's just not the general practice. Now, the land belongs to the charity, and there's just one more piece of the process. That's the IRS Form 8283. You might remember this form from Episode 24 about gifts in kind. Real estate is just one particular example of a gift in kind, so the rules about the 8283 apply. The donor has to complete the form, and importantly, the charity has to sign it. When the donor eventually files a tax return claiming the charitable deduction for the gift, the donor will need to include the 8283 with the return, and possibly the actual appraisal, depending on the value of the gift. And that's it. The gift is complete. The only remaining step is the likely sale of the land by the charity, but that's not really a part of the gift, so we won't say anything more about that. We'll just leave it here with the successful gift to charity of a parcel of highly appreciated real estate. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find the Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at www.thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter, where I am at Ross Plan. 
Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 29. Thanks for listening. It's the middle of December at the time of this recording, so Christmas is right around the corner. I'm going to step away from the podcast for a couple of weeks to enjoy some time with my family, but I'll be back in early January and we'll get right back into navigating the U.S. legal and financial system to maximize philanthropic impact. Until then, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and always remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.